1: Clint, here's a radical concept. There's a theory out there that the year in music history that produced the most guilty pleasures was 1997. Like, way more than any other year. In this episode, we ask, why does 1997 crush all the competition in this category? And we spend some time with some guilty pleasures. Welcome to The Age-Old Question. I'm Rich Price. And I'm Clint Bierman. Each episode deals with another question in music fandom. The kind of questions that Clint and I have been debating since we were in college. So today, with the help of some smart
3: people, we're going to come up with the answer.
1: Okay, Clint, what's today's question? Today's
3: question is, why is 1997 the year of guilty pleasures?
1: That's The Age-Old Question. term guilty pleasure is defined as being something that one enjoys despite feeling that it's not generally held in high regard. The guilty pleasure is particularly common in music. Songs that we know have no real artistic credibility or objective quality and yet we love them. These are songs that you can't help but like are slightly embarrassing to admit that you actually love this song. Today's conversation, clip is inspired in part by an article written in 2015. Writing in Mike magazine, this author makes the case that 1997 was the titan of guilty pleasures. And according to her, it's not even close. Consider for a minute, 1997 produced the following guilty pleasures. Mbop. I believe I can fly by R. Kelly
0: I believe I can fly I believe I can touch the sky
1: Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba Want to be by Spice Girls
2: If you want to be my lover you got get with my friends Make it last forever Friendship
1: never ends All For You by Sister Hazel
2: I to say what it is I see in you Wonder if I'll always be with you The words can't and I can't do enough to prove It's all for you
1: No Diggity by Blackstreet
2: I like the way you work it. No Diggity I I like the way you work it No diggity I thought to bag it
1: up As Long As You Love Me by the Backstreet Boys As Long As
0: You Love
1: Me Fly by Sugar Ray
0: Everywhere I go People stop and they see I'm 25 years old My mother God rest her soul Lord of mercy
1: Barbie Girl by the Danish group Aqua
3: Semi-Sharmed kind of life My Third Eye blind. yeah
1: first of all that's just a handful this list is way more extensive than that second of all is it possible that one year could claim to be the definitive year of guilty pleasures? And why the heck would it be 1997? I'm in a unique position to talk about this because I graduated
3: college in 1997, which can be considered like the end of your, your childhood, right? And to look back on that time of my life and this be the soundtrack for that is remarkable. So in a lot of ways, these songs stick with me as deep as anything else. And they're all from 1997. So I get it. I I have to say it is, this is a real phenomenon for me.
1: Well, and we'll get into this idea of guilty pleasure and whether you and, and I, in fact, subscribe to the notion of the guilty pleasure. Yeah, I want to talk first about 1997. What was happening in 1997 that created the conditions in which this unparalleled list of guilty pleasures could be released. Let's get in our age-old question time machine. And like a pair of anthropologists, let's look at what was happening in 1997. January, 1997, Bill Clinton is sworn in for a second term.
0: I, William Jefferson Clinton, do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States.
1: A couple days later, he nominates the first female Secretary of State ever, Madeleine Albright, who actually just passed away recently. In March, the Hale Bopp Comet. Remember this? (laughs) Yes. Hale Bopp was a comet first discovered by Alan Hale and Thomas Bopp separately, but on the same date, July 23rd, 1995. When it passed the Earth, it was visible to the naked eye for a record 18 months. Twice as long as the previous record holder for a comet, the Great Comet of 1811. (laughs) It was for this reason that Hale-Bopp was sometimes called the Great Comet of 1997. It's perihelion, the word for the point in the orbit of a planet or comet closest to the sun, was April 1st, 1997. So pretty much smack dab in the middle of 1997. Okay, Astronomers estimated that its previous perihelion was 4,200 years before in the year 2215 BC and would have been visible to the ancient Egyptians during the reign of Pharaoh Pepi II. But it was the cult Heaven's Gate that gave the Hale-Bopp Comet its odd fame. Right. The Heaven's Gate cult was founded in 1974 by a pair of eccentrics, Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles. They announced themselves as the two witnesses of Revelation and began attracting several hundred followers. In 1976, the group stopped recruiting new members and instituted a monastic lifestyle. The central belief of Heaven's Gate, Clint, was that followers could transform themselves into immortal extraterrestrial beings by rejecting their human nature. So in October 1996, the group began renting a large home in Rancho Santa Fe, California, paying $7,000 a month in cash for the 9,200 square foot mansion. On March 19, 1997, Applewhite and 38 of his followers committed mass suicide after asserting that the UFO that they had been waiting for, for years, was trailing just behind the Hale-Bopp comet and that their souls would board the spaceship Bringing them to another level of existence above human.
2: Now, at the end of the age, I'm afraid, I feel is right upon us. At this point, this is considered a mass suicide investigation. We'll see you
0: in our next session. It's a very short time before our departure. That
1: doesn't sound reasonable to me. No. Okay. Does this have anything to do with guilty pleasures? I don't know. But it's an interesting and odd thing that happened in 1997. What else happened in 1997? IBM's Deep Blue computer defeats Garry Kasparov in chess. This is the first time a computer beats a chess world champion.
2: Deep Blue has defeated world champion Garry Kasparov in an absolutely stunning...
1: This is like Skynet going online and becoming self-aware in The Terminator. (laughs) Speaking of films, the three biggest films of 1997. Titanic. Oh, yeah.
2: I'm the king of the world!
1: The Lost World, Jurassic World. Oh, yeah. Ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. But then later there's running and then screaming. And Men in Black. Oh, yeah. We work for a highly
2: funded yet unofficial government agency. We'll take it from here. Who the hell are you? INS Division 6. Men in Black. Protecting the Earth from the scum of the universe.
1: George Clooney, then a star of NBC's ER, People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive. And he starred in the critically panned Batman and Robin. Mm -hmm.
3: My name is Freeze. Learn it well.
2: Batman and Robin.
1: Princess Diana dies in a high-speed chase in Paris.
2: (laughs)
3: The world is in shock. Diana, Princess of Wales, is dead, and Britain is
2: in mourning.
1: Elton John's tribute to his friend was a remake of Candle in the Wind.
2: Now in the nave, Elton John sings Candle in the Wind with new words specially written a few days ago by Bernie Torpin. Goodbye, blooms rose. May you ever grow in our hearts. You are the grace that placed yourselves. Where lives were torn apart, you called out to our country, and you whispered to those in
0: pain, now you belong to heaven,
2: and the stars
1: spell out your name, and becomes the second biggest selling single of all time. Clint, what's the biggest selling single of all time? I'll give you a clue. It came out in 1942. Oh, wow. I'll give you a clue. You and I like to sing it one time every year. Old Lang Syne? White Christmas by Bing Crosby.
3: Is the number one selling single of all time. Of all time. By Bing, Bing Act- Crosby. Good for him.
1: Wow. I'm
2: dreaming of a white Christmas.
1: Elsewhere. The animated series South Park premieres in
0: 1997. Oh, there's
1: something. Ellen DeGeneres comes out of the closet publicly.
3: This is this is so hard, but I I I I think I've realized I'm gay.
1: Jeff Buckley, the singer-songwriter who is a rising star in music, we've talked about on previous episodes. Drowns in a tributary of the Mississippi on May twenty
0: ninth, nineteen seen your flag on the Arch. And love is not a march, it's a cold and it's a Also in nineteen ninety
1: seven, your boy, John Denver. Crashes his airplane and dies. Rest in peace, my man.
3: Well, on close-up this morning, the investigation into the death of singer John Denver. Police and federal investigators are still retrieving what's left of Denver's experimental plane, hoping to discover what caused it to plunge into the Pacific.
1: Do you remember that? I do. Yeah. He had an impact on you. Like, you grew up listening to John Denver. Big time. Yeah, yeah, big time. Oof. Other notable deaths in 1997. Chris Farley dies of a drug overdose. Oh. The Notorious B.I.G. dies in a drive-by shooting. Michael Hutchins of yes. NXS dies of autoerotic asphyxiation. Interesting way to go. Tough for the record books. Like, he had such a great legacy. <laughs> in literature, an unknown author named J.K. Rowling publishes a children's novel called Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Wow. Another literary moment of note. The Reverend Robert Shields had a diary so long that it filled 94 boxes and contained 37.5 million words, chronicling every five minutes of his waking life between the years 1972 and 1997. That sounds exhausting. <laughs> Can you imagine? No. What? All he did was write? Dear Journal, I'm writing again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starving. A 14-year-old boy named Nathan Zoner was able to get 43 out of his 50 classmates to vote to ban dihydrogen monoxide for his school science project. His project was aimed at demonstrating that the use of true facts can lead people to embrace false conclusions. Dihydrogen monoxide is another description of H2O, or water. (laughs) So this kid Nathan managed to scare or convince 43 of his 50 classmates that dihydrogen monoxide was something that they should be concerned about. Wow. Where's that kid now? Let's find that kid. (laughs) Let's find that kid. In tech, Steve Jobs returns to Apple as its CEO after quitting 12 years earlier. This event may have had the biggest impact on our lives of anything That we've discussed so far. That's incredible. You're right. In sports, the Florida Marlins win the World Series. The Packers win the Super Bowl. The Bulls win the NBA Championship. Pete Sampras wins Wimbledon. But what does any of this reveal? Are we seeing anything that would suggest 1997 is special for any reason? that it would produce an unprecedented amount of guilty pleasures. Well, you've forgotten
3: one major thing.
1: Okay. What did what did I forget?
3: You forgot the graduation of the class of 90210. Remember 90210? Of course. Oh my god, that was like I think that's got something to do with it.
1: I just do the trauma of them leaving high school. People were into the cheese at that point. <laughs> I see.
3: Swimming and cheese in 97. They were swimming
1: and cheese. But they didn't know it yet. I think we should play Rich and Clint or Boneheads because I'm not sure I have any intelligent theory on this. Rich and Clint are Boneheads. But on the topic of guilty pleasures broadly, in other words, beyond just music, I found a study that listed the top 30 guilty pleasures in America. You ready for some? Yeah. The top guilty pleasure in the U.S., of respondents picked ordering out because you can't be bothered to cook. Big. Yep. Some others that topped the list. Falling asleep watching TV. Sneaking an extra scoop of ice cream. (laughs) Staying in your pajamas all day. Uh huh? McDonald's. Wow. Binging a whole TV show in one day. That's a good one. Eating an entire bag of chips in one sitting. I call that Tuesday. Daytime TV stalking other people on social media oh yeah <laughs> wow the
3: concept of a guilty pleasure assumes you're judging the song based on what you think other people think of the song correct? correct that's what a guilty pleasure is it's like you like the song but you think other people don't like that song that's right i don't know if i agree with that concept because as you and I have talked about many times, we're very inclusive in our music loving. Yes. Meaning the idea of having it be culturally known as cheesy or bad or dumb. I don't believe that concept. I don't think.
1: Well, let's go back to the, the definition. Yeah. A guilty pleasure is defined as being something that one enjoys despite feeling that it's not generally held in high regard.
3: Right, so you're judging the song based on what you think other people think. That's right. 95% of these songs you and I are both going to (laughs) love because (laughs) we're open to the concept of a song being great regardless of the artistic merit, whatever goes along with that.
1: And if a song is popular and I don't like it, I generally think the problem lies with me. Like, I just don't get it rather than say like if millions and millions and millions of people like it and i don't like it it's like i i just don't get it i don't get it okay clint this is a special edition of our let's go to the comments segment let's go to the comments but instead of comments from our listeners, these are voicemail messages from past contributors, past guests to this show, telling us what their guilty pleasures are. The first, Brian Chartran from my band, The Sweet Remains.
2: I don't believe in the concept. I'm just going to say it out, up front here. I think that you should allow yourself to listen to all music guilt-free. Whatever it is you want to get into, you do you. That's what I always say. Anyway... Love the podcast. Peace out.
1: So Brian's making the point that you're making, which is... Yeah, that's it. This is sort of a false premise of guilty pleasures. Right. Let's listen to our friend Emily
2: Voorhees. I do enjoy going into one of those isolation karaoke rooms. And what I typically do is warm up with some Cher, Melissa Etheridge, uh, and then wind into some uh, Broadway show tunes, Cats, Phantom of the Opera the lion king and then i always close with pour some sugar on me that's why i bring down the house in my uh solo karaoke room
1: i love that emily's guilty pleasure is actually like a full night of music yes that's amazing (laughs) let's hear from our friend jack gothier longtime collaborator and producer who runs a great studio down in rhode island called lake west recording this is what jack had to say (laughs)
0: rich and clint what a great question by the way as you guys know i'm a huge fan of your podcast i want no uh judgment here on this but uh one of my truly truly top probably top 10 songs of all time is a song by bread called diary there is just no arc of a song like this song it goes from him thinking that Someone's in love with him. They're, they're literally writing their whole diary about him. At the end of the song, he realizes he's reading her diary, and it's about another guy. I found her diary underneath the tree And started reading about me The words began to stick and tears to flow Her meaning now was clear to see Soul-crushing. Soul-crushing stuff, but beautiful. Beautiful voice, great arrangement, simplicity of writing. Can't beat it. That's I tough. don't know
1: that. I don't know that tune. Jack, thank you for expanding our horizons. Clint, let's listen to Josh Panda. Nice.
2: I'm going to have to say Korn's first album. It was just a time and place,
0: writing in my brother's beat-up Ford Ranger Mid nineties listening to corn on the little CD player that was connected to the
2: cable that had the cassette player on it that went into the cassette deck. As a grown man, I do occasionally, when I'm alone, find myself thrashing my head and neck about <laughs> to corn.
3: Corn. That's yeah. a great call. That is to me a guilty pleasure. That I think like I think like if I s- ascribe to this phenomenon, that's a good example. I don't. But. Because
1: it's music that's not generally held in high regard, and yet you can't help yourself. Right. Let's listen to the incredible Tony-winning Broadway actress, Kelly O'Hara. Here's what Kelly had to say. Uh, a guilty pleasure for me would maybe be Lady in Red. Oh, yes. <laughs> Lady in Red. I think it just harkens back to such a time in my life. Um, I must have been, you know, like an early teenager that was all wrapped up in hormones or something. But, the, but Lady in Red was a big one for me. All Wrapped Up in Hormones, the name of Kelly's next album. <laughs> oh my! I love that, Lady in Red. It's true. And I think that's a great example of, of I a think guilty too. pleasure.
3: Yeah. Because it's the production. The production that's a little cheesy like if we made that song right now that's a great song except
1: at the end when he's like I love you I love ben. you <laughs> it's a great point though when Travis put out their version of Hit Me Baby One More Time the Britney Spears song it's then that I realized that the song itself was a great song how oh, wow. well that song was crafted Max Martin by Max Martin yeah
2: All
0: loneliness
1: All right, let's listen to the great singer-songwriter, author, TED Talk speaker, Stephen Kellogg.
2: Hey, guys. Um, So listen, when it comes to the term guilty pleasure, well, I never feel guilty about any music that I choose to listen to. You know, the cheesiest country song or if it's pop music or whatever. It never I never really feel like anything is a guilty pleasure, you know? I love 80s metal, I like some hip hop, I like a lot of stuff, you know? That's I, I don't have any guilty pleasures cuz I think that uh, all all the music that you like is worth liking loud and proud. Okay. Sorry to be that guy.
1: This is a, a theme that keeps coming up, and, and I like it. I like that we're hearing this perspective.
3: A lot of these people are musicians. I wonder That's true. if the average music listener
1: would be answering these differently. It's interesting. Speaking of musicians, let's hear from your bandmate, Peter Day. He shared this guilty pleasure with us.
0: Hey now. Just wanted to check in, uh, big fan of the show, obviously, <laughs> and wanted to share my guilty musical pleasure. But I don't think any musical pleasure should be guilty, because good music is good music, regardless of what anyone else might say. But <laughs> uh, one musical pleasure that not everyone might think is um, worthwhile is Britney Spears' Hit Me Baby One More Time.
1: There it is. Travis uh, was on to
0: something. I love that song. I just love it. And... I didn't fully appreciate it until we had to learn it for, I think it was for a 90s tribute night or something.
1: <laughs> Hello, Maggie.
0: And um, musically, it's, it's actually pretty sophisticated, what's going on. And I think there's a reason it was a smash hit.
3: Love playing that song. It just hits so hard. Totally.
1: Banana. You
0: know, it's so good.
1: <laughs> Let's keep going. This is another great songwriter. Will Evans, this is what Will Evans
0: had to say. Okay, so first of all, guys, love the podcast. Just drove from Wyoming to Denver and listened the whole way. So thank you guys for the amazing content. Okay, my guilty pleasure. Uh, I didn't really realize it was a guilty pleasure until I took a car ride with my wife and I put it on thinking it would be fun and enjoyable for her um, it's the Flight of the Conchords album, and by the time we got to the third track, which I think was the <laughs> Hip Hop <laughs> Apotemis versus the Rhinoceros, um, she politely asked me to to turn it off. So, so that's my guilty pleasure. Thanks, guys.
2: Call me the Hip Hop Apotemis, flows like a Glorifosaurus, popping off the top of this Asopagus, rocking this Metropolis. I'm not a large water dwelling mammal. Where did you get that preposterous hypothesis? Did Steve tell you that per
0: chance? So I would say.
1: <laughs> I would challenge Will and say, there's nothing to be guilty about loving the Flight of the Concords. That is pure gold. It's just the reality of being in a marriage that there are some things that your spouse just doesn't get. Like, my wife does not get Monty Python. She just doesn't get it. She doesn't want to try to get it. She's like, no, I don't like Monty Python. I would say this is a similar situation. <laughs> Meanwhile, you and your boys are constantly doing Monty Python
3: bits.
2: Your wife interested in uh, photography, eh? Photographs, eh? He asked him knowingly. Photography? Yeah. Snap, snap, grin, grin, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, nudge say no more. Oh, holiday stamps. Could be. Could be taken on holiday, could be. Could be
1: holiday. Could be holiday. <laughs> okay, let's hear from the other member of my band in the Sweet Remains, Greg Naughton. Here's what Greg had to say
0: hey guys it's your
2: buddy greg
1: uh carly ray jepson's wow call me maybe
0: definitely my guilty pleasure i guess i'm a sucker for a four on the floor kick drum Same. and you gotta i just tested it. i just listened to make sure that i was right and it still got me going it still works it's a pretty tight pop song all right thanks guys hey
1: i just met you and this is crazy but here's my-
0: right at you but here's my number so call me maybe hey i just met you and this is crazy but here's my number so call me maybe and all the other boys try to chase me but here's my
1: number so call me maybe. i
3: love it i like he went back and I had to check his work yeah he's like wait
1: yeah no that's good But again, it gets to the point of at the root of however it's produced, it's a good song. Yeah, I mean, that is a catchy, catchy song. That thing sticks with you like luggage. We don't have a voicemail, but it was an email that I got from Steve Silberman. Remember we spoke to Steve during the episode about what's the deal with the Grateful Dead? Here's this incredible guy. He's an an award-winning author. He wrote the incredible book Neurotribes about neurodiversity. He also wrote a definitive book on the Grateful Dead called The Skeleton Key. In response to my question to him, what's your guilty pleasure, wrote this. Rich, I'm not really sure how to answer this question. One song I adore that doesn't fit into my usual categories, jazz, folk, avant-garde music, the dead, fish, etc., Is Lionel Richie's delicious, sexy, slow burn all night long? Same. Just now, I noticed that a young prodigy, Jacob Collier, did his own version, so maybe I'm not so nuts.
3: You're not nuts at all, Steve. That is
1: pure gold. Oh, man. song is incredible we have one more submission this is our buddy jeff simons (laughs) this is what jeff has to say
0: hey friends my guilty pleasure in music is without a doubt rockford illinois spectacular cheap trick i don't like cheap trick i slobberingly love cheap trick i think their first five albums Cheap Trick, In Color, Heaven Tonight, Live at Budokan, and Dream Police are about as good as any other five first records by any other band ever. Interesting. And I'll include The Who, The Beatles, The Rolling Stones, you know, pick your big band. I'll put the first five Cheap Trick records up against any of them. I just love them without critical reservation. They sound exactly to me like rock and roll is supposed to sound like, and, uh... I'll be in the uh, white and black cheap trick checkerboard army forever.
1: I love it. I love it. I, I love it too and I and to be honest, I don't know very much about cheap trick, but I think Jeff is flying his freak flag for cheap trick proudly because well, because it's not generally held in the high regard of the bands that he just mentioned. And maybe a guilty pleasure
3: in music harkens back to a time in your life where you needed that song Rich I'd love to hear what your guilty pleasure
1: is okay I'll give you a guilty pleasure it comes from 1982 oh wow and we talk about 1997 as being the year of guilty pleasures the top five songs from 1982 Physical by Olivia Newton John R.I.P. just passed away yeah
0: Physical, physical I wanna get physical Let's get into
1: physical Eye of the Tiger by Survivor I Love Rock and Roll by Joan Jett Centerfold by Jay Giles
2: Does she walk? Does she talk?
1: My home, home for my and then the fifth song is a guilty pleasure because it is not generally held in high regard. But I love both of these artists. It's a duet, Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder, Ebony and Ivory. <laughs> it's so cheap, like wow. The, okay, the theme is very <laughs> cheesy. The production is very cheesy, but I can't deny it. I cannot there... deny that song. Yeah, they're two of your favorite artists.
2: Ebony and ivory Live together in perfect
0: harmony Side by side on my piano Keyboard, oh Lord, why don't we
1: And consider this, Clint: Are those songs bad? No, those are classic songs. But consider the top five songs from the following year, 1983. Every Breath You Take, Billie Jean, Flashdance, Down Under by Men at Work, and Beat It. Oh, my. The top five in 1984, When Doves Cry, What's Love Got to Do With It, Say, 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 Footloose, and Against All Odds. Oh, my Lord. Anyway, I don't know what any of that's proving, but I want to hear. Here's my guilty pleasure. You ready for
3: this? Yes. My Guilty Pleasure is not a song. It's a year. And my Guilty Pleasure is the year 2013. Because in that year come some of my favorite songs of all time. And I'm about to name some big hits. And I don't remember a time personally in my life that that stuck with me like this year. You say 97. And I agree, 97. But for my life, 2013 is my guilty pleasure year. Okay, lay some on me. Royals by
1: Lord. Yep. Gold
3: teeth,
0: gray goose, tripping in the bathroom. Blood stains, ball gowns, trash in the hotel room. We don't care. We're driving Cadillacs in our
1: dreams.
3: Yep. Counting Stars by One Republic.
1: Yep.
0: Lately, I've been, I've been losing sleep. Dreaming
3: about the things that we could be get lucky by Pharrell and Daft Punk. She's a fun night to the sun. I'm a fun night to get some She's a
0: fun night for good fun. I'm a fun night to get lucky.
3: Blurred Lines by Robin Thick with Pharrell. I Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus. I came in. Mirrors by Justin Timberlake
0: like oh, mommy, me. Oh, Wake
3: me up by
0: Avicii
3: Happy by Pharrell
0: It might seem crazy
3: what I'm about to say. Roar by Katy Perry I- the fox what does the fox say remember that one okay what does the fox
0: what does the fox say <laughs>
3: yeah that one uh, story of my life by one direction yep the story of my
2: life I take her home. I all night
0: like
3: that's 2468 that's like 12 13 14 songs that's a playlist for me of songs that i just absolutely love i think the kick drum sound in wrecking ball is one of my favorite moments in
1: pop history that it came in like that kick drum is just crushes me the list from 1997 those are all songs that if you hear them on the dance floor you like you freak out right yeah just like those songs from 2013
3: yeah but again
1: what is a guilty pleasure and who's to say you should feel guilty about it So let's go back to this main question. Why is 1997 the year of guilty pleasures? And I think, actually, as we've discovered in in past episodes, the question is sort of a red herring because, A, we're not sure that the concept of the guilty pleasure is one that we should spend time thinking about because, as a number of our guests said, as you said, if the music makes you feel something, don't feel guilty about it. But the idea that a year could produce so many of those types of songs there's no question that those songs you know from the spice girls to sugar ray but that list from 2013 is also really fascinating list of songs that maybe are not winning like a nobel prize for the works of art but they can't be denied cannot be denied yeah, I think I think we did it. I, I think, think we, we did. Absolutely. It. I did it. Like, we did it more than usual. I think we just did it. Totally. and we had a lot of fun doing it. We hope you had as much fun as we did and we hope you'll join us next time when we answer another age-old question. Follow us on Instagram at the age-old question. Facebook, the age-old question. We hope this conversation has sparked some ideas and thoughts of your own. Let us know in the comments.
3: But let's be kind, people.
1: Yeah. No hating. No hating.
2: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.